You're listening to the People's Podcast. The MAGA people are not exactly the the, uh, the easiest to deal with. Fuck the MAGA people. <laughs> this is JSC Radio. That is definitely going to be in the promo. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Hey now. My name is Jay Scott Smith, and this is the 81st episode of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Hey now, how the hell is everyone doing? Jay Scott Smith here, back on the microphone. You ain't firing me from this place. You can't run me up out of here. You can't sit here and tell me that I ain't getting the job done on this here microphone, not judging from these damn numbers. How the hell is everyone doing? First show of the month of July. We've gotten past the holiday and we're about two weeks past. Maybe, and I'm not saying this for hyperbole's sake, one of the biggest episodes and one of the best episodes and maybe my favorite episode I've ever done of this show. First things first. Man, you're messing with the worst. Want to thank each and every one of y'all who supported this show. And I mean from the very beginning. Supported this show from day one back in 2016. For those of you who supported this show way back when it was simply on SoundCloud and then moved to iTunes and then Stitcher. And then from Stitcher over to Google Play. And from Google Play over to Spotify. And from Spotify to iHeartRadio. And Audio Boom And the TuneIn app. And Radio Public. And trying to work our way on to Tidal. I want to thank all of you who supported this damn show from when my ass was getting up at 3 in the morning to be miserable for 8 hours and then come back here and be great and do this show. For those of you who supported my ass when I was out on my ass. For those of you who supported my show when I got back on my feet and since then when I've been knocked back down. I ain't pulling no punches no more. I've been too nice and too magnanimous and too professional for too long. I mean, you couldn't tell sometimes from just the way the show sounds. But we're having some fun now. We're really getting off and doing some things. That show two weeks ago with Melissa DePino and Michelle Sahin, podcasting while black, has become the biggest episode this show's ever seen. By the way, shouts out to my man Doc Illingsworth. Big ups to my man Awesome Jones. You're going to be hearing a lot of their music as the show continues, because we're pressing toward 100 episodes. And then beyond that, this thing's going to keep going. You can't shut this down. You can't silence it. Be sure to check out the mothership, jscottsmith.com. Check out the newest blog, and you'll know what the hell I'm talking about with this intro. Also, check out the new JSC voice. Because if you want this voice on your project, on your podcast, anything, be sure to simply hit me up on jscottsmith.com slash voice. $25 deposit. Let me know exactly what it is you want, what it is you need. And we can make it happen. I'm trying to get paid out here. It's been a hell of a run in the last couple of weeks since I did a show. Last week was the holiday. Things were hectic. Things were crazy. Things got stupid. But things were also great at the same time. I can't thank Melissa and Michelle enough. From Privilege to Progress is their movement. Like it on Facebook. They're also on Twitter. 
Priv to Prague. P-R-I-V-T-O-P-R-O-G. Support them. They're dope. All of you who've checked in on the show, you first timers, welcome. God damn it, welcome. Every new booty who comes in here, I want to thank you. I want to thank the supporters on Instagram, at J. Scott Smith. I want to thank those of you who support me on Twitter, at J. Scott Smith. Original. Those of you who are on Facebook, real J. Scott Smith. Verified. Original recipe. You know what this is. Yeah. I'm a little hyped up, a little moody. I've been, in, I've been through a hell of a last couple of weeks. The blog talks about my cameo appearance on the documentary on the History Channel, Detroit, Comeback City, Motown, the Motor City, the Murder Mitten, the D, the 313, the Cradle of Civilization, the city that helped drive this country into the modern age and then got nothing but the finger from you ingrates for the better part of 50 years. I told the full story of how I ended up on there. And it was kind of wacky. It was kind of the stuff of legend. And it all stemmed from a YouTube video that I created, that I've recorded, that I did, whatever the hell word I want to use to describe it, that I did about almost eight years ago. And truth and proof that things live on on the internet. A producer from Newtopia Television, which is run by legendary BBC reporter Jane Root out in England, was looking for people to go into this dock, and they stumbled across that video and hit me up. They interviewed me over the phone, flew me into Detroit, and I shot about 90 minutes worth of shit and eight seconds made it. And you know what? I'm just happy that the eight seconds got on there and I didn't get left on the cutting room floor. I want to shout out Newtopia TV and the History Channel and Ford Motor Company for even allowing my black ass to be a part of it. I want to thank all of you who, who shouted me out when you saw my face for that little blip. Like if you blink, you missed it. I apologize for how my head looked, but they wouldn't let me wear my damn tiger hat because of hashtag licensing. They ain't trying to get sued, and I get it. The tigers are very very protective of that intellectual property. That old English D means something to them. And I get it. That old English D means a hell of a lot to me, too. But one of the things I want to do, because you saw the title of this show. We're getting into the sports thing. This has always been a sports podcast at its core. But I'm never going to shy away from talking about important things happening, whether it's sports, pop culture, politically, in, in society as a whole. And I think that's what's made JSC Radio like a passion project for me. And that's what's made JSC Radio a bit of a movement now. And people are starting to see that, and I appreciate it. That show two weeks ago, episode 80, Ochenta. This is Ochenta Uno. The Calvin Johnson episode. Oh, boy. And we're getting closer to football season. Jesus Christ. But I uh, that, that episode, if you, if you hadn't noticed, for those of you who listened to it, that episode was something that had been building inside of me for a while. And I was so thankful that I was able to connect with Michelle and Melissa because they added so much to it. And their energy sustains me and sustains others. They help you get through. They're great effing people. And in a day and age where this country is built on just awful, awful people, on shitheads and scumbags, 
where at times I feel like we lost a war and this country got taken over and the insurgent country installed the dumbest and worst possible person to be their puppet governor, their puppet president, and his equally awful administration. And his influence has just flooded this country. The hypocritical influence of this. The throwing of stones and hiding of hands. This punk-ass, lame-ass, I'll say it, bitch-made call for civility. Last episode, I made just a little mention of liberals. I mean, you can't tell. I sure as hell ain't conservative. But one of my biggest problems is with a lot of the old school liberals, the quote unquote mainstream ones, is that they don't have a set of balls between them sometimes when it comes to these things. I love Michelle Obama. I respect the woman to death. She's might be she might have the most grace under pressure of any black woman I've ever seen. And I'm counting my mama because I don't think my mama would have had the patience that Michelle Obama had. But when Michelle, the worst thing she could have ever said was, when they go low, we go high. Because it's like it gave license to so many progressives and liberals to be scared, to be cowards, to not be proactive. I work in an industry, a media industry, a journalist industry, that by and large has also adapted and adopted to this, to this cowardly, soft-ass mindset where you're too busy trying to find middle ground and you're too busy trying to treat things like racism and sexism and xenophobia as differences of opinion instead of what they are, their deficiencies. It's wrong. I've said it on this podcast before. Way the hell back in 2016. And I'll say it again now. Just because you want to see things, quote, objectively and find things on, quote, both sides. Occasionally, the two sides of the argument are the right side and the wrong side. And they don't hold equal weight. Right outdoes wrong. Stop trying to find the good in shit. Stop trying to find the good in bad. Everybody's not redeemable. And everybody's opinion is not valid. And everybody's thoughts are not to be respected. Especially when it comes to the welfare of our people and of our children and of our environment and of our future. That's what an episode like 80 did for me. It woke my ass up and not in the hotep bullshit way that a lot of people want to stay woke. But in the simple, I see things from a much different perspective now, idea, perspective. I didn't want to be redundant, but screw it. I'm on a roll. This whole argument over civility, this idea that if you're just nice to people, just respect their opinion. Why can't you be nice? Why can't you be nice? For one, that. Being nice is what got us here. Respecting everybody's opinion Even the racist's opinion is what got us here. Condemning those who punch Nazis is how we got here. Trying to find the goodness in people. Trying to delineate between people who support a racist is what got us here. Straight up. We got to be better as a society. And that's what episode 80 was really hitting on. Because 
You see it in the increase in racist hate crimes. You see it in the increase in every day. It's a it's another fresh hell. One minute, it's a black person being harassed on the street. The next minute, it's a Puerto Rican being harassed on the street. The next minute, it's a Mexican being harassed on the street. The next minute, it's a woman being harassed on the street. A kid, got a 92-year-old man in Los Angeles getting beaten with bricks by black people, telling him to go back to his country because he accidentally bumped into a little girl. You got this shithead in suburban Chicago screaming and yelling at a Puerto Rican woman for wearing a Puerto Rico t-shirt on the 4th of July and some punk-ass cop lingering in the background refusing to do anything about it until the woman's boyfriend arrives and the cop springs into action to protect the racist. And do I even need to go into the multitude of incidents where damn near every single day we got some scared bitch-made white person jumping their ass on their telephone and calling the police on black people doing anything from mowing their lawn to playing in their backyard to walking door to door looking for votes as an elected official to trying to go into their own house in multiple cases trying to go to swimming pools or bathrooms what the hell do you think the starbucks thing was why are white people so goddamn protective of bathrooms and pools and I wish I could be saying that as a joke. The pool thing has like some historical significance going back 60, 70, 80 years. What is this with you assholes and pools? You have to harass people. It's like it's a reflex. Police are not customer service white people. They're not. What the, what's wrong with y'all? This show, this episode, on the other side is going to get back to some of the real fun stuff we normally do around here. But I needed to drop this postscript on episode 80 for one to thank all of you motherfuckers who absolutely chimed in and loved this show and showed all the support. The people were hitting me up on emails and text messages and all up on Instagram and all on Facebook with messages of support. And from what I'm hearing from Michelle and Melissa about the support they've gotten, I, I want to tell you thanks, but at the same time, the struggle continues and we keep fighting. And I don't want that to be forgotten. But I, I, I wanted to do that to thank you guys. That was a legit high point of anxiety when I was talking about that cop from MSU following me back to my dorm and harassing me. That was real shit. It, it, it's, it's the type of thing we live with. It's the microaggressions. It's all the bullshit. It's the being trailed and constantly made to feel as if you don't belong. And for any white person, particularly white men, because they seem to be the loudest ones who always want to, well, actually racism. Not to say white women don't do it. For you white guys who feel the need to, well, actually, every time we point out one of these things, I'm going to need you to shut the fuck up. Just, just do that because... Constantly trying to justify calling the police on 12-year-olds and 13-year-olds and random-ass people on the street. I wish a motherfucker would demand my ID or demand to know why I'm walking up in my house or up to a pool that's in my complex or walking into a bathroom or going around a store. I wish someone would because I wouldn't be nearly as magnanimous and nice. Terry Crews is taking a whole lot of shit right now for not pummeling a guy who groped him at a party. 
And what a lot of you dumb motherfuckers of all races don't seem to understand is the rules are different for us. And all you alleged so-called tough guys who talk about what you would have done. I love to say the what I would have done Twitter. A lot of y'all would have stood around and let the same thing happen in the same situation. Or you might have been stupid enough to take a swing and got yourself locked up and f***ed up your money for the rest of your life. You're in a no-win situation when you're a black man in this country. You're in a no-win situation when you're a black woman in this country. Obviously, you're in a no-win situation if you're a brown person in this country, no matter what country you came from or what your land of origin originally was. Mexican, Puerto Rican, Dominican, Spanish, anything in South America, Central America. Episodes like 80. The reason we do shows like that, the reason I will continue to do shows like that that hit you right in the nuts with reality is because you need to be reminded of these things. Ain't nobody safe, B. Not even from our own kind and our own people. Because our own people will stab us in the back and throw us by the wayside and then smile on your face and talk about how much they love the community and how much they want to push forward in trying to get the black man over the hump. When, at times, they simply use another black person as that hump to get over on. Take that however you'd like. Let's have some fun, damn it. In the amount of time I've been gone, and I talked about it prior to episode 80, after the NBA Finals ended, NBA free agency hit, and damn it if the fun didn't just jump off right before the 4th of July holiday. LeBron James is a Laker, but there was an even bigger surprise not that long after it was announced that Bron Bron was heading to the West Coast. Coming up after this break, I talk about NBA free agency, Bron going to L.A., the even bigger coup pulled off by the Golden State Warriors, and we finally lay waste to you blog boys who don't quite understand how the world works, especially in the NBA. My name is Jay Scott Smith, and this is the 81st episode, Ochenta Uno, of the People's Podcast. This is Jay SC Radio, and we'll be back after this. You're listening to the People's Podcast. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. This is JSC Radio. Man, do I love card night. You ready, boys? You got a king? Go fish that! Oh, come on! <laughs> this is WWE superstar Titus O'Neil. It only takes a moment to make a moment. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Imagine being fired because of who you love. Imagine being denied medical treatment because of who you marry. Imagine being evicted because of who you are. Millions of Americans don't have to imagine this. They have to live it. Because in 31 states, it's legal to discriminate against LGBT people. Get the facts at beyondido.org. Brought to you by the Gill Foundation and the Ad Council. You're listening to the People's Podcast. Hope is not a goddamn strategy. This is JSC Radio. Did you talk to LeBron James yeah. once the news came out? And if you did, what'd you say? 
Yeah, yeah. I talked to him yesterday and just uh, just told him welcome, man. It's, it's crazy because, um, you know, we've played together on several Olympic teams and have been around each other for all-star games and things of that nature. And um, I've always talked about getting together and working out, doing that sort of stuff, but never ever really materialized because, you know, I had my stuff going on here in L.A. And he was doing his thing in Cleveland and Miami. Um, but now, I mean, he's part of the family, right? So, like, whatever whatever he needs, I got him. Like, when I, when I came here, Magic did the same thing for me. Kareem did the same thing for me and all these other guys, right? It's, it's, a, it's part of a community now. And uh, so anything he needs on my end, I'm there for him and his family. And uh, it's all love. I'm really, really excited. I think some people are going to be interested in hearing you say that because, look, there's some folks when they pass the torch to the next guy, it's because they really want them to run with it, right? There are other people who want the guy who they pass the torch to to do well, but maybe not too well, right? <laughs> and I know your absolute yeah. genuine love for this franchise. I also know you're one of the most competitive guys on earth, Kobe. Yeah, I am. I am. And so that means I want the Lakers to win more championships. It didn't escape me that a Boogie Cousins, for example, is in Golden State. It hasn't escaped me that guys seem more willing to want to play with a Kevin Durant than they might even want to play with LeBron James. And so when I look at the Golden State Warriors, to me what it comes down to is what Joe Lacob said in an article, I believe it was to the New York Times, a few years ago. He said, we are the gold standard now. I actually remember when that article came out. It pissed a whole lot of people off, especially a lot of the big wig, blue blood NBA types. It pissed a lot of people off. Now that we look back at it a few years later, I know why it pissed so many people off. Because Lacob was right. The Warriors are royalty. And y'all got to learn to deal with it. This is the 81st episode of the People's Podcast. Episode 81 of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Jay Scott Smith here coming at you once again. Glad to be back here. As, as you can tell, things sound a little different. They sound a touch different now. This podcast is growing by leaps and bounds, and I have you to thank for it. Of course, shout out to my man, Doc Gillingsworth. Big up for all of his help, including adding so much in terms of the sound of the show. Of course, shout out to my man, Awesome Jones. You heard the track at the start of the show. That one was all him. Uh, congratulations to my man, Roof Jones. Rufio Jones, no relation. Rufio Jones on the birth of his son. That's right, you got a son, B, on the birth of his kid. Like eight days ago, which is wild because anybody who knows Roof, anybody who knows Kari knows he's the last individual you'd want to leave with a kid because you don't know who the bigger kid is, him or the baby. But that, that video he had, a simple eight-second viral video of that little man, kind of gives you an idea of what that kid's in for. Hope you enjoy fatherhood. One of these days, I'm going to catch up to all your asses. So... Well, of course, thank each and every one of you for support the show on all the different platforms. I'm talking about SoundCloud.com slash JSC Radio, the original home, Stitcher.com, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, the TuneIn app, Radio Public, Spotify, iHeartRadio. It just keeps getting bigger every day, damn it. Of course, you know you can support the show on the website, the mothership, jscottsmith.com, and, and JSC see voice if you want me to be the voice of your podcast the voice of your imaging you have a podcast you're just getting off the ground and you need someone to edit that damn thing come on over this way i got some great rates i'll be able to help you out 
put some packages together for you. Because we try to get paid out here, as you can't tell from just the sound of the damn show. I had to bring it back. Now, you got to understand. This was a sports show from the beginning. And I'd love to be able every single chance I get to talk about sports. Every single one without fail, without hesitation. I love talking about the NBA. If the Tigers were really good, I'd talk about baseball a hell of a lot more. Football season is coming up. And yeah, you know, that's going to be a circus, both inside the sport and outside the sport. But the NBA tends to be the thing. I'd talk World Cup if, you know, if I knew all about soccer. But the NBA is different because it's something that's right in my wheelhouse. College sports, too. College football is on the way down the pike. (laughs) And you already know I got a fresh batch of Michigan slander waiting for all your asses. And, And before I go into that, before I go into the NBA thing, no love to WJR, the one-time great voice of the Great Lakes in the Motor City. They fired Jim Brandstatter today. I don't know what to say. Yeah, I know. Jim Brandstatter, who along with being the voice of Michigan football, since 1987, he'd been the color commentator for Detroit Lion football. Meaning basically my entire Lions fandom, this entire tortured run I've had as a Detroit Lion fan, Jim Brandstatter's voice was in that booth. He outlasted Mark Champion, the iconic play-by-play voice of the Detroit Lions. He was fired today, and it was done in a pretty shitty way. And as someone who has been fired in a shitty way twice in the last calendar year, I can explain to you just how terrible that is. All the Michigan stuff aside, from all accounts and from everything I've seen and from Everything I've heard, Jim Brandstatter is a marvelous individual. And he's still got the Michigan gig. But he said something in the Detroit News today after the firing that really jumped out to me. That he said the one regret he has is that he would not be there to be a part of a Lions Super Bowl call. Now, one could argue he could have stayed there another 30 years and not run into one of those. But it sucks. Because that guy went through the ups and the downs. He and Mark Champion have the pleasure of being the two guys who called the only Lion playoff victory of the last 60 years. And he's gone. And apparently nobody saw it coming. Not even the Lions organization itself saw it coming, which is kind of messed up. And it also tells you one thing about this shitty business at times that we're in, that even some of the classiest individuals, if they can do that to a guy like Jim Brandstatter, a cat like me don't stand much of a chance. But nothing, but nothing but a salute to you, man. It sucks, though, that you're not going to be in that booth if the Lions ever do get it together, and you are going to be in that booth when the Spartans kick Michigan's ass later on this year. So now as we roll back into what I was going to talk about, the NBA, the season after the season. After the show, it's the after party, and after the party, this is the hotel lobby. NBA free agency. It came out. Guns blazing. Not long before the documentary that I spent eight seconds in aired on that Sunday night, LeBron James made it official. He had decided to lead the Cleveland Cavaliers, something that we all saw coming. Cleveland pretty much knew they were cooked as soon as J.R. Smith went all J.R. Smith in game one. They knew they were cooked halfway through the regular season. But they were donezo with Bron 
when they ate that sweep. LeBron's going to the Los Angeles Lakers. The franchise that was the home of the likes of George Mikan and Jerry West and Elgin Baylor. Of Wilt Chamberlain and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Magic Johnson and James Worthy and Byron Scott. A.C. Green, Kurt Rambis, Michael Thompson, Sedale Three, Nick Van Exel, Eddie Jones, Eldon Campbell, Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant, Rick Fox, Derek Fisher, Hell, Dennis Rodman played there, but not on the championship teams. Pal Gasol, Andrew Bynum, the list of legendary Lakers and not-so-legendary Lakers goes on and on and on, and I know I missed a few. LeBron joins that grouping. Signed there, four years. Ridiculous amounts of money, $38.5 million a year. That's not even fair, dog. That's not even fair, man. Like, for real, that's not fair. And he goes to L.A. You can go ahead and scratch Cleveland off the list. They're donezo. Because, for one, they've already lost Jeff Green. You know Kevin Love ain't going to finish the season there. J.R. Smith is trying to figure out a way to finagle his shot into L.A. They're done. Tristan Thompson might be the only one left. Kyrie Irving been gone for a year. The Cavaliers are going to return to their normal spot. They're going to return to their rightful place at the bottom of the barrel. I mean, that's tough. That The only guy, the guy who's literally responsible for like 98% of the success of your franchise's history has bailed on you twice. Once to Miami, then comes back. They steal an NBA championship two years ago. And then drop eight out of nine games in the next two NBA finals, including eating a sweep this year. And he's gone again. And he goes all the way to the other side of the country to L.A. Now, I knew he was probably going to L.A. at least a year and a half ago when, unfortunately, some red hat wearers decided to scrawl racial slurs on one of his homes in Los Angeles. And I'm thinking, why does this dude have a home in Los Angeles? We know where he's going, but he's a free agent. Boom, he's in L.A. He's not coming alone. He scooped up JaVale McGee, Rajon Rondo, once again on the move, left New Orleans where he looked like he'd had a career renaissance in the playoffs. Now he goes to the Lakers, becomes that rare guy who played for both the Celtics and Lakers. Lance Stevenson, who kind of had a bit of a rebirth himself with the Pacers, including being a pain in the ass to LeBron, not only this year in the first round of the playoffs, but back when he was in Miami. Now, all of a sudden, he joins him as a teammate in L.A. Plus, you already still have guys like Lonzo Ball and Kyle Kuzma and Ingram. That's a decent little team you have. It'd be a damn shame if a group of guys in Oakland did something to him, but we'll get to them in a second. Paul George was the guy that they thought was going to end up in, in L.A. with him. But, oddly, he chose to stay in Oklahoma City, which is cool. He decided he wanted to stick around there. Thought he might be able to do something in Oklahoma City. He won't. Thought he'd be able to do something in Oklahoma City. Carmelo Anthony appears to be the odd man out. I did a whole podcast episode way the hell back in 2016 on Carmelo Anthony and why I never would have drafted him to the Detroit Pistons. Told you. Go back into the archives and find that one. It's worth a listen. But Carmelo's gone. So now you're going to have the two-headed monster of Russ and PG-13 in Oklahoma City. The Eastern Conference is pretty much now up for grabs. 
I mean, even though the prohibitive favorites in the conference now are Boston, who was one quarter away from making the finals this year, just so they could have been the ones to get swept by Golden State. Philadelphia now takes a huge step up with Cleveland out of the way. They automatically slide right into that two spot. You might wonder, well, who would be next after them? Could it be Toronto? Maybe. Washington? Probably not. Pacers? Huh, not sure. They just lost Lance Stevenson, but they still have Oladipo. And they have a pretty good, young, talented team there, but they're missing something. Everything else, once you get on the, out of the top four, they're just happy to be there. Speaking of happy to be there, there's the Pistons, who might be one of the bigger beneficiaries of LeBron James bouncing out to the ridiculously stacked Western Conference because all the Pistons want is to make the playoffs. They don't really want to win anything. They think making the playoffs is good enough. And as I've talked about on a multitude of episodes of this show, that's bullshit. It's not good enough. Not when you're a franchise that's won multiple NBA titles. When you're one of eight franchises to have won at least three NBA titles in league history. Eight. Seven of which have occurred in the last 30 years. You're one of a handful of franchises in the NBA to win three NBA championships. They've played for five in Detroit. You won three. You have multiple Hall of Famers. You have a storied franchise. Just getting to the postseason and getting a gun shoved into your mouth should not be what you're trying to do. But the Pistons fancy themselves as the best mediocre team there is, and that's what they are. They've gone out and signed the likes of Jose Calderon and Zaza Pachulia and and Glenn Robinson III, and they're really out here acting like this puts them front and center in the East. Meh. The real fun's up top. Pistons might actually make the playoffs next year. Congratulations. Here's Boston. We'll see you after four games. You're done. We have to go back out west, though. Now, I mean, you know what? Before I head back out west, LeBron decided he was going to L.A., and he'd made up his mind he was going to L.A. long beforehand. But it was adorable that the 76ers actually sent a contingent out there to L.A. and really thought LeBron would consider changing his mind and coming to Philly. I knew LeBron was never coming to Philadelphia. Never. I said it openly. He ain't coming to Philly. I said it on JSC TV. He ain't coming to Philly. L.A. was pretty much it. It was going to be L.A. or Houston or maybe San Antonio. But he wasn't going to Philly. It wasn't happening. And it was really humorous that Philadelphia's owner claimed that LeBron really seriously gave consideration to the Sixers. Look, man, I know you had to come back here and tell these people something. But you know good and damn well, LeBron had no interest in coming out here. By the time you guys were getting into the car to head back to LAX, he'd already announced he was signing with the Lakers, dude. He told you in the most polite way possible that he would consider your team. But he wasn't considering you guys. Not at all. Not in the least. And you know this. You do. But LeBron and the Lakers got people talking. It got a lot of the Laker fans up out of their slumber. Sitting up like the Undertaker when he took a clothesline. Oh, the Lakers are back, baby. The Lakers are back. They're immediately going to leap right into the front of the line. They're back. The Lakers are back. As if the Houston Rockets and Golden State Warriors don't exist. But I'll get to them in a second. The Lakers are back. Now, to know a little little bit about me, the Lakers were always my second team. The Pistons, of course, were number one. That that made for some fun times in 1988 and 89 and 2004. 
But the Lakers were always team number two for me. I always respected the franchise. I liked them more than I did the Celtics, and that's how I ended up kind of logging onto them as opposed to the, anybody else. Plus, I was a huge fan of Magic Johnson, and later down the line, I really liked Shaq, and I really liked Kobe. So I was always one of those guys who would like who liked the Lakers, but I wasn't like super huge, crazy Laker fan. I don't get pissed off at the Lakers the way I get pissed off at the Pistons. The Lakers were cool. And then for the last three, four years, they've been toilet water. So there ain't been much to say about them. But all the Laker fans who are just as obnoxious and annoying as Yankee fans and Celtic fans and Michigan fans and Cowboy fans, they're just as obnoxious and annoying. And now you get to infuse them with a bunch of LeBron fans, a bunch of bandwagoners who follow LeBron wherever he goes. And no... No, that's not respectable. I'm a LeBron fan. How am I a bandwagoner? You are the definition of a bandwagoner. You're running around here wearing a a heat jersey. You've never been to Miami. You're running around here wearing Cleveland gear. You wouldn't be caught dead in that cesspool of a city. You're not a, no. You're maybe the worst type of fan. You're the most obnoxiously pathetic kind of fan. I'm calling you out. Screw that. But all of them are now banding together, and it was purple and yellow heaven or hell, depending on your perspective, for 24 damn hours. Can Braun bring this ragtag bunch of Lakers to the conference finals? Do they have a chance to win the West? What about a shot against Houston? Are they the second best team in the West? Can LeBron win a championship? Can they make the finals? Can they challenge Golden State? No, they can't. And just to make sure, even without this guy, Golden State was still head and shoulders above the West. Just prior to Monday Night Raw, not even 24 hours later on the West Coast, the Golden State Warriors calmly just threw out there like they just were holding on to the big joker the whole time. Here's DeMarcus Cousins. The Lakers were actually trying to set themselves up to get Kawhi Leonard and possibly Boogie Cousins. Kawhi Leonard is still a possibility. Boogie ain't. Boogie got a one-year, $5.3 million deal to sign with the Golden State Warriors. Apparently, no other team called him. None. Nobody. Not one damn person from one damn franchise. Not the Rockets, not the Lakers, not the Thunder, not the Suns, not Portland, not New Orleans. New Orleans told him straight up they weren't bringing him back. Not Sacramento, not Minnesota, not Detroit, not Boston, not Philly, not Washington, who got Dwight Howard. None of the Florida teams, Atlanta, none of the Texas teams, nobody, Charlotte, nobody. That dude was just sitting out there. Have you ever been unemployed? Were you nervous then? All right, then. Yeah, brother. Trust me, I know a little something about being unemployed. He was just sitting out there. And he decided to take the initiative and just have his agent, have his representation, bust off a phone call to the Golden State Warriors. Just on a whim, he cold called the Golden State Warriors. The Warriors GM is like, wait, nobody's contacted you. Hmm, let me run this by a couple people. He hits up Steve Kerr, hits up Steph Curry, hits up Draymond Green. Within 12 hours, the some bitches in Oakland. And nobody saw it coming. Just as Stephen A. laid out there, just as Max Kellerman has laid out there, the Golden State Warriors are on a different level, dude. 
they just are. And just like clockwork. Now, when I saw that he signed, I thought it was one of those stupid, fake Twitter handles that one of you jag-offs gets on there and makes up some news and then puts a real Twitter handle next to it or some fake-looking Twitter handle that doesn't have the, the, the verified checkmark. Original. They don't have one of those. I thought it was fake, and it turned out it was real. Blew me away because immediately the first place my head went was, I know Boogie Blue is Achilles. So he ain't going to be ready opening night. He ain't going to be ready November. He probably, the absolute earliest you might see DeMarcus Cousins is Christmas. But you're probably not going to see his ass then either. It's going to be after the first of the year, close to the All-Star break, when you'll finally start to see this dude meander back in. So that sets up the scenario that by the time the playoffs start next year, and Golden State is invariably the number one seed in the Western Conference, Whatever team is sitting in that eight hole has to deal with this starting five, game one. Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, Kevin Durant, DeMarcus Cousins. What? That ain't right. I mean, it is, but it ain't right. And that signing, of course, you know who it, you know what happened. You know who it set off. Every whiny little punk ass blog boy imaginable every single one of them oh it's not fair it's not fair why can't the league get in and stop this it's not fair it's not fair they're just creating a super team i won't watch anymore because it's not competitive there's no competitive balance it's not fair it's not fair why did he have to go that you know the dumbest thing i heard out of all of them and trust me, there was plenty of dumb to go around about this. The dumbest thing I heard is, why, why did he have to call Golden State? Why didn't he call Atlanta or Chicago first? Why didn't he call Atlanta or Orlando first? Why did he have to call Golden State? Check this out. Michael Jordan is often attributed with saying this. Now, I don't know whether his ass actually said it or not. It just sounds like something that Michael Jordan would say. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And only in sports, specifically with the NBA, you don't see this nearly as much with Major League Baseball or with the NFL. Occasionally you see it with the NHL. But you really see this a lot, this stupidity a lot with the NBA. This bizarre idea that somehow a guy is not supposed to try to join the best team or put himself in the best situation. You're asking these men to do shit that you yourself would not do. If ESPN hit me up tomorrow, or if I were in the position to go to ESPN tomorrow, and they offered me a boatload of money to take this show as is to ESPN, because that's the only way it'd work. Take this show as is to ESPN. You better believe my black ass will sign on that dotted line and say, your feelings. Oh, but why would you do that? Why couldn't you just wait? Why, why did you have to go there? Because, you know, I like getting paid and I want to win. That's what DeMarcus Cousins did. Why in the ro royal blue hell would you choose if you had the option to go anywhere? Any team in the league, or at least anyone with a front office guy with a half a working synapse in his brain, would bring you in. 
and you bust off the phone call and you have the means, are you simps telling me that if you had his ability, you're coming off an injury, you've never as much as played in one postseason game that you would call the Atlanta Hawks before you called the Golden State Warriors that you would call the Chicago Bulls before the Golden State Warriors that you would call the Phoenix Suns before the Golden State Warriors are you telling me that you really expect me to believe that bullshit that you would call the Milwaukee Bucks before you go to the Golden State Warriors that you would call the, the Charlotte Hornets before the Golden State Warriors the Brooklyn Nets. Someone else has said, oh, why didn't he try to go to Brooklyn instead? Why didn't he try to go to the Knicks? Why you got to go to the Warriors? Because that motherfucker is a lot smarter than we've given him credit for. He wants to win, just like I would, just like anybody would. You would do the same thing. And I like that it took two years for everybody else to finally join me on the there is no such thing as competitive balance train. The legendary reporter David Aldridge just laid this whole thing out in a great report on NBA.com, the actual NBA website. He broke this down. For all y'all whining about, it's not fair. It's not fair. There's no competitive balance. There's never been. Ever. Eight teams have won at least three titles. Two franchises have won 33 of a possible 71 championships. There's only been one decade, as I laid this out a few weeks ago on a previous episode, there's been one decade in the NBA's existence where there was quote-unquote competitive balance. And you want to know what that decade was? It was the 1970s. The 1970s were the anomaly. The 1970s saw a third-year expansion team, the Milwaukee Bucks, win an NBA title. Now, yes, that team had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, well, Lou Alcindor. That team had super young Kareem, fresh out of dominating in college, paired up with Oscar Robertson, and they won themselves their only NBA title. It was the decade that the Knicks got two. Now, the Lakers got one, and the Celtics got one, But that was also the the decade that saw the Golden State Warriors win a championship. That saw the Phoenix Suns make an NBA Finals appearance. That the Washington Bullets won an NBA title and got to -to back-to-back finals. The Seattle Supersonics, just go Google that, kids. You'll be surprised who they are now. The Seattle Supersonics won an NBA title. Take a look back at the 1970s, dog. Portland won an NBA title during the 70s. Everybody was winning. And you want to know what was going on in the league? It was barely on national television. NBA Finals games were tape delayed. Half the damn league was on cocaine, and it damn near folded. The NBA of the 1970s is the WNBA today. That's what the hell it was. That was your one decade of competitive balance. And even during that decade, the Lakers and Celtics each got titles. So... Help me. Help me here. I've explained it to you before. There ain't no competitive balance. This is what the league is. It's haves and have-nots. That's why I get so pissed off at the Pistons for their little punk-ass way of managing the team. Well, nobody's going to want to sign here. Nobody wanted to sign in Oakland five or six or seven years ago until they drafted Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green. And then all of a sudden, they built up a team that was worth coming to and magically wouldn't you know who won the friggin' pony? Here come 
free agents because they suddenly want to play for you. Do you think Golden State was going to get Kevin Durant 10 years ago? Hell no, they aren't. They sure as hell got him two years ago, though, didn't they? Didn't they? Pistons were a free agent destination, by the way. They were. The Pistons were a free agent destination when they were winning. Guys wanted to go to Detroit when they were winning. Guys don't want to go to the Knicks right now, no matter how much you try to sell them on New York being the Mecca. Why? Because the Knicks have been trash for 20 years. There was a hot second when the New Jersey Nets were getting free agents and getting people to come there. Why? Because they were fucking winning. You win, and to the victor goes the fucking spoils. That's what happens. So this whining and pissing and moaning about it's not fair. We need competitive balance. It's not fair. What? They don't want to compete anymore. They never competed. There were only about, there's, there's only really six or seven good teams at a time in the NBA. If you're lucky, there's usually three or four in the West and two or three in the East. And the rest is pretty much either dead level or, or down at the bottom. So stop. I think this Warrior team, if they had DeMarcus Cousins the whole season, for one, if he were able to play the whole season, they wouldn't have been able to sign him because he would have demanded a lot more money. But if you have DeMarcus Cousins for even two-thirds of this season, they're better than the team that won 73 games and lost the title two years ago. By a mile. They may not be the Golden State team that will tear ass and go 16-1 and through the playoffs because you're going to need to work Cousins back in. But just imagine that. A team that plays a game based on motion and getting guys out on the wing and constantly passing and moving the ball. And you bring in DeMarcus Cousins, one of the best passing big men in the league on a team that moves that ball all over the place, that relies on Steph Curry curling off screens and Klay Thompson coming off screens. And yeah, you'll get Durant doing iso ball, but Durant's one of the best overall shooters in the damn league. He can get away with it. Draymond Green doing all the dirty work. And then you got friggin' Boogie Cousins where if he's inspired, he can give you a 30-20 night. Good luck on a back-to-back and those sons of bitches are waiting on you on the other side of the floor. Houston Rockets don't know what the hell they want to do. Yeah, they re-signed Chris Paul and James Harden won the MVP, but they've let Trevor Ariza go. Baamute is gone. They might lose Clint Capella. And then what? But the Lakers cut in front of him? Cool. There you go. You go deal with that monster in Oakland. Have fun. You brought in LeBron, and they just dropped eight out of nine on LeBron and ran his ass out of Cleveland. Good luck. Have fun. I love that the NBA is like this. I do. I respect it. And if you boys can't get over that, that's just too damn bad. As for the Detroit Pistons, have fun being in the middle. Have fun being mediocre. Cool. You made the playoffs. Don't get swept. Show up. Do something. Prove me wrong. Shut me the fuck up. Show me something, damn it. Don't just come out here and get get blitzkrieged by the 76ers and then go to Boston and get your head kicked in. But who? we made the playoffs. So what? I love what they're doing in Oakland with the Golden State Warriors. I'm, I love watching everybody whine about how unfair it is. No, how come nobody wants to compete? You don't want to compete anymore. Why? You wouldn't. And anybody who says they would is lying. You wouldn't. You would sign with them just like everyone else because you know if you had an opportunity to win, you would take it. And no, this old bullshit, we're going to take the hard way. I want it the hard way. Well, that's because you're not very smart. Work smarter, not harder, dumbass. And maybe you will be just like the Golden State Warriors. My name is Jay Scott Smith, telling you to take care of yourself. 
God bless. Always dare to be different. Always have your pet spayed or neutered. Adopt, don't buy. And we are out of here. That's episode 81. Episode 82 coming right down the pike. And it's a big one. It's something that I've owed you for a few weeks. It's the next retro review. The 1998 King of the Ring. Yep. Gonna be doing a whole lot of talking about that match. Until next time. Goodbye, everybody. They bring on it, they make smart decisions, they take calculated risks, and as a result of the the unselfish and excellent culture they've created, look at the way Steph Curry plays, who for years was their best player. Because of that, other players want to play with them, like KD, like Boogie Cousins on a mid-level exception. It's not that the Warriors are bad for the NBA. The Warriors are a model for the NBA. And the idea that people are crying that Adam Silver, they're they're playing by the rules up and down, that Adam Silver should do something to break up the Warriors, who only just drafted brilliantly, signed the right players, have the right culture, coach him up the right way. The fact that, that and, and by the way, who couldn't have had Boogie Cousins? Someone offer him a deal. No one did, so the Warriors grabbed him. The crying about the Warriors is absurd. Why doesn't the rest of the league get their game up or at least emulate the Warriors? Check it out. You're listening to the People's Podcast. Have you ever been unemployed? Were you nervous, man? Yeah. All right, man. This is JSC Radio. the news about that five-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded. I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online. For like a year, she couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand. I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house, stole a gun from the hall closet. He accidentally shot his cousin in the head. She killed herself. And later, killed the owner of the store he was trying to rob. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.